0: So we get one out of chapter 4, verse 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Okay. We're today in the third week of a series uh, called I Am. And so if you brought your Bible, um, we'll be in John chapter 8 today. I always encourage you, if you have a Bible, even if it's in your phone, to have it available just so you can check me out and to make sure that I haven't made anything up. I don't do that, but it's still good for you to be verifying things because other people out there might make something up and it's good for you to be in the habit of checking. But is that what it says? Because sometimes you you just need to check things out. So uh, John chapter eight, I encourage you. We're going to be, we've been looking at um, four of the I am statements that are found in um, in the book of John, there's seven or eight, depending on how you count. And, um, and Jesus said, I am, and, then, and, 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 and gave us these different characteristics of who he is. The first week, we talked about uh, the fact that he said he was the resurrection. And last week, we talked about Jesus being the good shepherd and the fact that we are the sheep. Next week, I believe, is going to be a very powerful um, concept when we get it down in our souls, and it will tell us how to bear much fruit. Today, I want to look at what I think is one of the most inspirational and life-changing I am statements that Jesus made, and it's found in uh, John 8, verse 12. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you follow jesus you'll never walk in darkness. It's just a good thing because because darkness is kind of scary wouldn't you agree? Anybody here um you know as a kid you were afraid of the dark? Oh brave people huh I mean come on come on i mean i was i was I was afraid of the dark as a kid we won't define kid quite yet but i mean i was I was spooked a lot by the dark and i'm i I'm kind of a tease. I mean, I think I'm a good father, but maybe you will judge me wrongly now for the next thing I'm going to admit to you. But I think my dad might have done this to me, and I, it was my tradition to do it to my kids. And I think there were times that I said to my boys, hey, I need you to take the garbage out. It's dark outside. And I I need you to take the garbage out, but be careful because I think I heard a sound. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that evil laugh? Oh, I still just think about that. I think my boys, huh? Joseph, Wells more than him. Anyway, I, I, but just be careful. I think I might have heard a noise. You know, It's just one of those things where the chill would go down their neck. Uh, I think I might have gone out there and made a noise while they were out there once or twice, too. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but how but, but about, but about dark? I mean, a lot of kids are afraid. I mean, I remember as a little guy, I've always liked movies. And um, I remember watching this science fiction movie as a little guy. I wish I could remember what the name of it is, because I'd like to watch it now. It was probably a, a B, black and white, it would be more of a comedy if you watched it today. But it was, there was this deal where these aliens came and they tunneled and they were underground and they came out in the middle of the night and grabbed you out of your bed. <laughs> I'm scared just thinking about it. And then they would take you down there and turn you into a zombie by drilling into the back of your neck. Isn't that creepy? <laughs> what, what I don't know. And then there was this other one. I'll tell you, this other one really impacted me more. It was, no joke, the three stooges meet Frankenstein. Okay? <laughs> There's a scene. Now, I'm a little guy, three stooges, and there's a scene, and I think it was Curly. Is he the one without any hair? Okay. So Curly's in bed, got his back to the wall, and in the middle of the scene, this hand comes out of the wall and grabs him. And I'm not telling you, that just got a hold of me. And for a very long time, I slept with my covers up over my head so that there was nothing but a place to breathe. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I slept with my covers over my head. I was probably. You know, 15 years? No, I don't know. Always... <laughs> but there were some things about being a kid in the dark. You don't let your hand or your foot over the edge, right? Because there could be something underneath there, and it could reach up and grab you and pull you right down, right? And another thing, as a little guy, closet doors. Got to be closed. There's a force field that kicks in when that latch goes click. <sighs> you know... So I'd sleep with the covers over my head and the garage the closet doors would have to be closed and my feet would be inside in the safe zone. But if you turn on any little bit of light, I'm fine. A little bit of light. The darkness goes away and everything changes. It changes everything. All through scripture you'll see light contrasted with dark. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And God separated the light from the darkness, the day from the night. All through the Bible, you'll see God called light. And our spiritual enemy is called the prince of darkness. There's contrast all through the scripture between light and dark, between God and Satan. In fact, when Jesus was talking to Saul, he contrasted this light and this darkness. And he said, this is in Acts 26, 17, 18. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So we see this contrast between darkness and light and Jesus makes this life-changing statement. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Now, if you've been in a church for any period of time, you've probably heard that statement before. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But... Maybe you have never connected the dots and got the context of when he said that. He actually made that statement in a story that you may remember, and it's about a woman who had been caught in adultery. That's when he made the statement. He said that I am the light of the world. And let's see why, um, in this, why this story about a woman caught in adultery leads Jesus to, to making this, this life-changing statement. And we'll see this in, in John chapter eight. And as we do, I think we're going to see, I want to look at it in three different ways. I want to look at this through the law. I want to look at it through a viewpoint of love. And I want to look at it through a viewpoint of light, because that's the word Jesus chose. So we'll look at it from the law, the love and the light. We'll start with the law. Do you know what, does anybody here know what the law reveals about us? The law reveals our guilt, right? That's what the law does. And we'll see that this is true in the story. So starting in verse two, at dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Okay, let's pause here and acknowledge what's going on. Somehow these Pharisees, these, these self-righteous, these legalistic men, apparently caught a couple in the act. And evidently they burst in and dragged this woman out. Now notice... There's a real double standard here. Who knows where the guy is? He doesn't show up in the story. So there's a double standard going on here. And they take this woman who, yes, she's guilty. Yes, she's wrong. Yes, she's sinful. Okay, And they drag her out after being caught in the act of adultery. And now this was a capital offense to them. For it to be a capital offense, it had to be witnessed. The person had to be warned. Don't do this or you may die they had to acknowledge, yes, I know I can die if I do this. I mean, there was a procedure. They didn't just, you know, it wasn't just happenstance. They caught her in the act, and very likely, they pulled her out of that act, and she may or may not have been clothed. Maybe she was able to grab the sheet or something um, on her way out, so we'll just assume that she was somehow modestly covered, but they dragged her out in public. They humiliated her in beyond description. You get the picture here of what's going on. And without a doubt, this is absolutely the darkest, the most shame-filled, the most humiliating moments of this woman's ever life, anywhere in her life. Scripture goes on. They, they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, everybody say in the law. In the law. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? So they're asking Jesus. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. They want to catch him and they want to trap him. So what they're saying is true. Plus, in the law of Moses, if you're caught in adultery, they stone you. That was the deal. So when they asked Jesus, what do you say about this? They were laying a very clever trap for our Lord. Now, if he agrees with them that she she should be stoned, he gives up his reputation that's spread around the countryside for being this loving guy. If he disagrees and says she shouldn't be stoned, he's now saying adultery is okay and condemning the law of Moses, which in either way, it, it seems like he any answer he gives, yes or no, is trouble. These guys are pretty smart. They're trying to corner him. They're trying to make him look foolish. They're trying to to diminish and discredit him in the eyes of the people and so Jesus does something that's really significant. I mean, I remember now our main point here is that the law reveals our guilt. And, and as we talk about the law revealing our guilt, interesting, you know, in our culture today, people do not like to admit about guilt. They don't. I don't, you don't, we don't. Um, in fact, one of the topics when I stand up here as a preacher, or and I've heard this from other guys too, that when we talk about this topic the ones that we get the most pushback from, the most emails is when I would stand in public and say, um, we're not good people. I get pushback from people that, Hey, you know, that's, you know, that's pretty harsh to say we're not good people because I'm a nice guy or she's a nice guy or we're good people. And we need to understand that in the eyes of God, we're not good people. We're sinners. We're sinful in the eyes of God. And the law reveals that guilt. In fact, Maybe just to illustrate that and to make sure we all know how sinful we are, <laughs> in case anybody here questions that, maybe we should just look at some of the Ten Commandments just for a minute. Now, before I go there, I do want to quote to you Romans 8.1, which says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So the point of this little brief exercise is not to condemn you. It's just to point something out that we should all be aware of, okay? So I'll just mention a couple of the commandments, and we'll figure out whether maybe we've done any of those. And if you feel brave, you can say, yeah, yeah, okay, I've done that. Or you don't have to you don't have to do that but um, I'll probably have my hand up here quite a bit so how many of you have ever told a lie I've told a lie you've told something that wasn't true sometime in your life you've told a lie okay a bunch of people have done that um, how many of you have ever taken okay I'll share up front with you that I've done this before have you taken something that wasn't yours taken okay alright wow look at all those hands you can feel the air blowing around the room um, how about this have you ever taken God's name in vain plumbers, parents, golfers. Okay. Um, (laughs) Those are my experiences. Plumbing, parenting, golfing. Okay. Um, Excuses. Sorry. Let that go. Please. That's what grace is. Um, How about this? Have you ever looked lustfully at someone? I mean, Woo-hoo, God. Hey, nice job putting her together. Glory to God, you did a great job. Maybe however you do it. Okay, so the thing with that last one is that when you look lustfully at someone, Jesus says that when you've done that, you've committed adultery in your heart. So let's just break these to call this, stop our exercise there and call this what it is. If, if you've told a lie, you're a liar. Okay. If, you, if you've taken something that's not yours, you're a thief. If you, if you have taken the Lord's name in vain, the Word of God describes that as a blasphemer, okay? If you have lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart, then you're an adulterer. So in other words, you're, we're, we're all just a bunch of lying, thieving, blaspheming adulterers. By the way, this is the Crossroads Church, the home of the feel-good sermon, Okay? <laughs> My point is that we're all sinners. We are. Why is this so important, Terry? Why are you hammering on that? Why, don't, why, I'm not hammering on you. I'm hammering on that topic. Because until we see ourselves as sinners, we will never see our need for a savior. So the law says this woman guilty, is guilty. The law says we're guilty. But the good news, it doesn't stop with the law. And uh, the law reviews our guilt. But the love reveals God's grace. Yeah, the law reveals we're guilty, but the love reveals God's grace. And we see this happening through Jesus in verse six. And they're trying to trick him. And, but Jesus, he's ignoring their question, bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. I think this is kind of a wild thing. He's being really, really wise here. He's, he says, you know, they're saying, hey, 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 do we stone her? Come on, answer the question. Do we stone her or not? He doesn't answer him. He kneels down and he starts writing with his fingers in the dirt. What did he write? Answer is we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. A lot of scholars believe that he was actually starting to write a list of the sins of the men accusing the woman. Now, that sounds really good and it's probably true. Um, There are a couple of good reasons for that. Some of the later manuscripts actually say that's what he was writing. But there are two words um, used in scriptures for write down, writing it down. Um, One word just means to write it down. The other one, which is the one used in this instance, means to write down a record against. So Jesus wrote down a record against. That's what what the scripture says. That's the literal translation of the word wrote down in the dirt. Um, and uh, so he may have been writing down a list of the sins of these guys who were accusing this woman. Verse seven says this, and, and here we go. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, here we go again. His words translated without sin don't just mean without sin they mean the word literally means without even wanting to sin It's not only focusing on the outward behavior but on the inward heart. I love that about Jesus. He goes for the gusto every single time you know he's saying to these guys whoever, you, whoever among you has never done anything wrong and never ever even wanted to do anything wrong, go ahead, start throwing rocks and Jesus is going after something that's really, really important and um, you know these judgmental arrogant guys have a problem that we all kind of sometimes have and that is it's really really easy for us to see sins in people around us it's really not so easy to see them when we look in the mirror it's just hard have you ever noticed that well look at this person look at that guy but we don't notice <laughs> our own things so he says without if you're without sins you can throw the first stone and Jesus gets really serious in verse, uh, in, in the next verse, he says, again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first. I always chuckle when I get to that one because it doesn't explain. Why did the older guys go first? I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe they lived long enough that their list was longer. Uh, maybe they were wiser, you know, I can, you know, I can imagine being one of these guys and he's seeing this list and he's seeing people leave and he's thinking, okay, they're leaving. He's going to get around to me. I don't want to see my sins in the written down like that. I'm out of here. I mean, there was something going on in these people that made them say, "I, I, I don't have anything to do with this. It's time for me to leave. I don't like where this is going until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And look at the grace going on here. Has no one condemned you? And this broken and ashamed woman in the darkest moments of her life, no one, sir, she says. Then Jesus looks at this broken woman and he speaks the most grace-laced words ever to be spoken in history. That, that's, that's, it, here it is. Then neither do I condemn you. I believe that there is somebody here today, more than one, who walked into church today under a little bit of darkness. You walked in under a little bit of shame. You walked in with some agony over what you did or who you think you are. And when you're in Christ Jesus, you need to know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because his grace changes everything. You're not what you did. And you're not what they say you are. You're who God says you are. And because of his grace, there is no condemnation. Now, don't get me wrong. There's an accuser. His name is Satan. And in Revelation 12, he's called the accuser. He's called the accuser. And he's going to hurl insults at you. He's going to hurl accusations against you. And some of you know that voice. That says to you, hey, "After what you did God and never love you, after how bad you've messed up, you could never, never fix this. You can't be forgiven. You can never make a difference. Your marriage will never be better. Your kids are never going to respect you. It's too late. Too much time. That's the voice of the accuser. That is not the voice of the light of the Savior. His voice says, "I'm the light of the world." Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness again. The voice of the Savior says, Where are your accusers? I don't accuse you either. I don't condemn you either. There is no condemnation for those who are in, in Christ Jesus, and darkness never ever defeats light. Now, was this woman guilty? Yeah. Did she deserve punishment? Yes. But it was because of his love that this grace was revealed, because of his love. I'm guilty, you're guilty. We're all sinful in the eyes of a holy God. We should never miss that because until we see ourselves as sinners, we aren't going to see our need for a savior. The law reveals our guilt, but God's love reveals grace. And he looks on at this broken woman who's shamed beyond, in front of every person within miles probably has heard this story and come to see the scene. She's completely humiliated. He drives her condemners away. And he says, where are they now? I don't condemn you either. Interesting, though, what he does not say. Now, this is the tender moment of the the sermon where I want to say to you, buckle up. Because what he doesn't say there might poke at us a little bit. He doesn't say, okay, now that you're forgiven, go on your way and do your best to stop it. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I don't condemn you either, um, and I understand your past. I know that your father abandoned you when you were a little girl, and so you've got issues with men, and you'll probably get this figured out together, but do your best not to sleep with married men. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say to a guy, um, you know, he, he talks to us the same way about this darkness. He doesn't say to her, hey, I forgive you for... Your struggles with pornography, but you're just a red blooded man and I understand and you'll probably do this some more. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, oh, you're, you're just wired, you're always going to struggle with gossip because something in you just likes to feel better because you see other people struggling. And, but I'm going to say to you, just keep it down during the holidays so the holidays we. He doesn't say that. He doesn't. What does he do with this woman? He does the same thing that he does with you and me. He looks at her. Now, verse 11, he had just said to her, neither do I condemn you. And and Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. And there's this urgency, go now. Not later, now. He's saying you can be free. You don't have to live in darkness anymore. Go now. And that same voice that spoke to her, I believe, is going to speak right now to many of us. Go now. You don't have to be locked in a world of lust. Go now. Some of us right now, right now, are either flirting with adultery or maybe are in it. Statistically, in a group this size, it's, it's a fact that, that it's present I don't have some sort of personal knowledge that I'm telling you about. I'm just saying statistically, and, 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 and I'm just saying right now, go now. Walk away. Walk out of the darkness into the light. Go now. Go now out of your shame. Go now out of your self-hatred. Go now out of the condemnation of people around you. You don't have to live there anymore. The light of the world is here for you. And whenever that light shows up, darkness flees because light always overtakes darkness. Jesus is saying here, he says, go now, and there's so much power in that. And I sense a little bit of urgency about this because I believe some people here need to believe that you can be free. You need to believe that you can be healed. You need to believe that you can be changed because light always wins when it comes to darkness. So the law reveals guilt. Don't miss that. The love reveals God's grace. And the third thing, and I really believe this is the meat of the message today, the light reveals our hope. The light reveals our hope. Now, catch this. Um, the, the verse immediately before the I am statement, Jesus says, go now and leave your life of sin. And I used to read that and think, you know, that was kind of preachy. You know, it's like, come on, just man up and stop it. And I don't think he was talking that, saying that at all. I don't think that's what his heart was. And, and, I, and, and the reason I think that and I believe that is because the next verse shows that he was actually encouraging. He's saying this. You don't have to live in darkness. You can be different. You don't have to hurt like you were hurting. You you don't have to live in shame that you were living. You don't have to live in the self-condemnation and the self-hatred of your own bad decisions. You can be different. Why? He goes on, he says in the very next verse, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will, now how often does this say? It says, never. Never. (laughs) Never, never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And something supernatural is going on there. When Jesus looked at her and he says, neither do I condemn you, I believe at that moment, he was no longer the light of the world. He was the light of her world. And that light steps in and it defeats the darkness. And that very exact same way today, in the grace and the presence of our good God, who is the light, when you personalize this message he's no longer the light of the world he's the light of your world and something of power steps in there that wasn't there before not your power and he becomes the light of your world and when he becomes the light of your world that changes everything because darkness never defeats light and the good good news is that when you believe this it becomes personal he's not just this out there God he's your God, he's your light. And when you know that, you get freedom from the condemning voice of the world. That hideous voice of Satan that tells you you can't, you won't, you'll never. And in the presence of God, we find grace and goodness and he says to you, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness again. The law reveals our guilt, we're incredibly guilty. Don't miss that because until we see ourselves as sinners, we'll never see the need for a savior. God reveals our grace and the light reveals our hope. And no matter how dark your world seems right now, Jesus is the light and the light of the world. It's a spectacular thing because he can illuminate your life and his grace can forgive you and his presence can bring healing. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. God, thank you that somehow tucked in these simple statements that you made is life and you visited us during worship and you specifically said prepare your hearts because if you'll hear what I have to say to you I'll be what you need me to be and today we need you to be the light of the world we need you to be the light of our world it isn't some ethereal concept but Lord it's personal so I want to pray right now for people who maybe feel a little bit in their hearts, heaven's spotlight saying, oh, adultery. How would anybody here know that? And the answer is, I don't know, but God, you do. And in your loving ways, you want to say to your sons and your daughters, go now, step into the light, come to the Lord now. Lord, I pray for you to cause something of righteous courage To well up in the hearts of people who need to take a step into the light. They don't need to do it publicly here, but they need to do it, and they need to do it now. God, thank you for the encouragement and for the faithful trust you bring. I pray, Lord, right now for wholeness in marriages, and wholeness in sons and daughters, in us, Your kids, for where we walk in sin and we think that we can never change because the accuser has convinced us. God, shout down those words of hell with your loving whispers of love and grace and hope. I thank you, God, for it. You're so loving. I thank you so much for it, God. Papa, we come and we're grateful for your goodness.